Hello and welcome to Loving Your Garden Live with me, Rod Whiting, and our gardening guru, John Sterland, in association with our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. Hello, John. Hi there, Rod. <laughs> Have Thank you had you a well. good day today? <laughs> well, I've I've been dead most of the day. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> some people say, "Oh, no change there." Then, literally, just got back in in the last hour from a day of filming uh, as extras, my, my wife and I, uh, Judy and I, and um, it was uh, it was very entertaining for probably for the wrong reasons, but um, it's actually <laughs> quite hard work playing dead. I'm really stiff from having to not move. <laughs> in awkward positions you can't move because the blood uh, that they put all over you, you it's got to drip in a certain direction so you can't move you're in these ridiculous positions and you can't yes. move. unbelievable anyway there we are we're, we're talking about gardening not uh, yes absolutely not playing dead um to, uh, before we start john i've got a very important announcement to make which right. is that we have uh, love and your garden house today uh, passed the 10,000 member uh, mark has it really yeah, it has indeed um good lord I, I think i looked, yes did i look yesterday morning could have been the day before and it was nine eight and i thought yeah well by the weekend we might be but well we um, were eight and a half thousand about two weeks ago uh, yeah maybe three weeks ago and um, we've we've just shot up to uh say over ten thousand it's actually wow. nearly fifteen thousand if you include the uh, the visitor section so right. uh, welcome Welcome to all our new members and our visitors. It is lovely to have you with us, and um, I hope you're enjoying your experience on the site. So let's talk about pests then. Uh, though, mm. and I, I did put a, put a picture of uh, some scale insects. Fairly classic at this time of year. You, you, you'll get this collection of either. You might get woolly aphids. On my apple tree, I have got woolly aphid, and it's on the main stem, so I'm not too bothered. I um, generally tend to wash it. I'll get some um, washing up liquid in some, or the washing up water at the end, and just just scrub it when it's on the main stems like that. And that's where it usually gets. That's woolly aphid. I've actually got a bit of Acer scale on my Acer right. uh, palm dissectum. Oh. So again, this is what it's all about, Rod. Going round your garden, checking your plants. And, and attacking anything early and so what again what i'll do is um is get some washing up liquid and washing up water and just scrub it off off the stems and um i mean if it's on an enormous great big tree that's more difficult but on a small scale you can usually wash things off or flick things off and um, aphids and things like that. So it's keeping an eye on your plants and acting early. That's one of the most important things. And then we, we, obviously we look at how to um, how to control things. We're coming towards the end of blue tits nest uh, feeding, but incredible the amount the, the amount the blue tits have been round the roses, etc., yeah. scooping up aphids and, and i've noticed at the moment there's quite a, a lot of um ladybird larvae about the little long black with a little bit of red i've seen have those. you seen them yes they they devour uh, aphids like nobody's business they're very much a friend aren't they yeah oh absolutely i mean you've it's but it's getting again it's getting that balance because i've got one plant that's got so much um, black fly on it but they're on it as well well there's no way i'm going to spray 
Um, not when you've got uh, ladybird larvae on there. So, um, you know, it's, it's again, it's getting that balance. Uh, well, this is Sue Credlin saying, will, will diluted washing up liquid harm no, ladybirds? No, not, not normally, no. Um, it doesn't. And so, yeah, you can use that. I know um, somebody, a commercial grower, who used to use, I've got to mention the name because it had to be fairy liquid, but he used fairy liquid to control his whitefly on poinsettias. He used to grow poinsettias commercially, and he didn't use chemical. He used fairy liquid in in warmish water, yeah. and um, it was so successful. It, it blocks the uh, breathing apparatus of your whitefly, and he got wonderful control with that. So, you know, you can use those sort of things. When you see, particularly with clematis, things like that, when you see ants climbing up the, the stalks to get the aphids, um, is, it, is it okay to let them do that? Or, yes, or are ab- they going to cause damage? Absolutely. Very often they they don't necessarily go and fetch the aphid. They milk them. They keep aphids like we keep cows for our milk, and they will go and collect the honeydew, and then they take the honeydew back down to the um to the nest sometimes they'll take the actual insects as well yes they certainly do but um they very often herd them for their honeydew and the, the problem with the aphids is they just they sap they suck all the goodness out of the stem don't well they? No, that's why yes, we don't want them well it's a circuit actually rod they're sucking sap out and there's also mucusy type, for want of a better word, going back in there. And what can be going back in there is viruses and things mm-hmm. like that. One of the biggest problems with for sugar beet growers is virus yellows, which aphids tend to spread because of mm-hmm. um, of going on the crop. So you know, it's not they can spread a heck of a lot of problems as well. I know it's one yeah. of my clematis is looking a bit um, a bit weedy. Uh, yes. And it's had a lot of aphids on, and I'm, I'm yes. wondering if that's what's done it. Yeah, I some, I mean, I've got, I've just got a clematis. I put a tangutica in, but I've got a clematis. It's a, a herbaceous clematis, but it has to climb up something. It usually rambles through. Clematis ragushi, beautiful mm. flowers on it, and the bees love them. But, um, you know, when you see the, the flower buds, I just take my fingers up there, um, um, you know, and just take them off. In most amateur situations, personally, I don't think you necessarily need to use um, any chemicals. I have used chemicals with vegetables. Um, you know, sometimes people say, well, go around, if you've got 20 or 30 cabbages, go around your cabbages and just take the caterpillars off. When you're, if you're at work all day and you come home, you know, it, sometimes you just cannot keep up with it. And I have used a spray if I needed to. I tried to grow them one year without um, any chemicals and I totally failed. It just, they were, they were wrecked. So I, that's Brussels sprouts, and I won't have my Brussels sprouts wrecked. Uh, now, question here from Frank. Got an old honeysuckle uh, climbing the front of the house. Looked dead, but chopped it right down in spring. It flowered at the top of new shoots. Now it's full of whitish, powdery deposit and seems to be dying back. Any ideas, please? I'm, I'm, it might be powdery mildew. Yeah. They do suffer from um, they do suffer from mildew, and it's amazing. Um, it is a honeysuckle mildew. Mildews are quite specific, 
Um, so if you get them on one plant and it's not related to a plant next door, your next door plant won't normally get them. The thing is, um, a lot of mildews can enjoy the same sort of conditions, dryish, warm conditions. And so for the last two years, my gnortia has been horrendous. It flowered, but it's been covered. So I th thought, I'll give it another year. And if it doesn't, if it's, you know, there's mildew there, um, I'll get rid of it. This year, it is totally clear because yeah. the conditions haven't been right for the mildew to attack that plant. So I'd put, put Nortia in this year. Is it, is it from the scabious family? Because it looks very yes, much like yes. it. Yeah, the scabious. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they're brilliant. And it's amazing, Rod, again, we've been going around the garden and there's not a plant that the uh, bees don't like. It's, it's, you know, I don't search for necessarily for bee-loving plants, but they are on everything. And I've got some Allium nectariscordum, uh, used to be called nectariscordum, but they put it in the Allium family because if you rub the leaves, it's, oh, it's, it, it smells of Allium. So Allium nectariscordum and the bees, have, oh, they absolutely love it. And they're they're in there, and then as the um, as they do all their pollination, the flowers finish, and then they turn upright and sit up, just you know, like a lot of alliums do, and we'll know when the whole plant's finished because they'll be they'll be standing up. I love them. They could be still under nectariscordum or allium nectariscordum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now Frank's asking, is there any uh, treatment that he can try mm -hmm. for that mildew? Did you give him any? There is a. Uh, a fungicide, Provado fungicide, um, which is quite a good one. One of the best things to do, Frank, is to have one of these that are ready to use, RTUs as they're called. You can get them out, use them, but they've got preservatives in, and so you can keep it for a long time. So long as you don't, you know, get it frosted, etc., uh, try and keep it in a in reasonable conditions and it'll last for a long time and you can just use it when you need it that is a relatively good a relatively good one okay you've well, probably seen that uh, susan's asking about white fly uh, on her broccoli just talk about white fly generally yeah Tom, i mean yeah you've you've got glasshouse white fly which you often get on tomatoes and things like that and then you've also got white fly that go outside and um, you can get them on brassicas and all sorts of things to go along nicely with your with your caterpillars as well. That if if your broccoli leaves are being munched, then you might find that you've got tiny little caterpillars. I've noticed that the large white and small white butterflies have been out, so um, they'll be laying on any brassicas. They also lay on brassica weeds. So um, it's not just your uh, broccoli leaves that they're going after. They will go after anything. Uh, they, lay, they lay on rocket. Uh, we've got some rocket in the herb in the herb garden, and they'll even lay on that. So um, lay their eggs what I, is what I'm mentioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, you can. I used. I don't. I don't grow uh, Brussels sprouts and cabbages anymore. But I used to use what was called spray day. And it was a very, very good caterpillar killer. But one of the main things is to keep watching because one one year I never had to spray at all because basically the wasps found these caterpillars 
and they just kept coming back to the Braticas and flying off with the caterpillars. And honestly, they took the lot. Wow. And th and this is what we can find, you see. It, it is fascinating. The French use a lot of pheromone traps in trees. It is The pheromone traps were basically just so that they could check and see if they needed to spray. But um, in a small situation, like uh, perhaps you've got one fruit tree in the garden, one pheromone trap will catch all the will catch most of the males. But um, it's something that's come from commercial growing is the is the pheromone traps is, that we can put in fruit trees. Okay, uh, what's this? Another one come in here. Hosted a rose that I would love to know how to get it flowering lower down. Now, can we cut it at the top? But it's climbed to ten feet or so. Um, what variety is it, please? Well, hang on a minute. Oh, crikey, I'm not, I'll, I'll see if I can hunt that down. Hang on a right, I'm not sure what what variety it might be. But, um, again, with um, roses, it's all in the selection. I had the generous garden in the garden last year, and I thought I've got a six-foot panel one way and I've got the whole of the garage wall the other way. And I'd, I'd, it's a lovely rose. And so I grew that because I could train it all the way along. If you've only got a small area, look at how big they grow and try and go for something that um, is not going to grow too big. Last year, I put in Sent From Heaven, and, and I know Rod's got Sent From Heaven. Yeah, it's, it's going already, really well. It's already at the top of the six-foot trellis. And what I shall be doing is trying to, at the end of the season – um, it's flowering now, but what I'll do when it's finished, right at the very end, is probably take it off the the, um, the trellis and retrain it because they can grow so fast. I just tie them in and then retrain it at the end of the season. And if you can get the branches going towards horizontal, that calms them down. Uh, you'll often find that um, fruit growers will where they've got trees that are growing tall they'll peg the they'll peg branches down so that they're horizontal and that helps produce flower and fruit rather than um, a vegetative growth so um, if you can try and do that um, that'll go a long way to keeping it under control don't if it's growing well don't feed it with any nitrogen at all it, you must you'll probably have a bit of nitrogen in your soil so go for sulfate of potash or something like that you won't want any nitrogen because nitrogen's going to just going to make it put growth on and this is understanding a little bit about the different things nitrogen for growth phosphate for roots potash for health and fruit and flower and um, and if you've got poor soil as well, you very often flat find you get very, very good flower. We, we've got poor soil in this part of Norfolk. And by God, the elders at the moment are looking stunning because they've got so much flower on. If you do have to spray, spray late in the evening. You know, bees eventually go to for a kip um or very early in the morning but to me late in the evening's best then that chemical t is sitting on there a little bit longer when there's no bees around and um it can be taken in and um can kill your 
pest. I wanted to mention weed killers as well because a lot of people use glyphosate. I am. Um, I use glyphosate. A lot yeah. of nature reserves use glyphosate. I was part of the research of glyphosate, which is Roundup, and uh, other yeah. people know that. Um, but there's no point in using it at the moment. The best thing to do, we've got uh, bindweed growing through. It's actually in my wildlife garden, so I don't mind it growing through too much, but it's growing through so much. We've now got it growing up canes, and it will be sprayed late August, September, because that is when the sap of the plant is starting to go back down into the roots, and that's when your Roundup is taken down to the roots. That would so explain got, why I sprayed last week with Roundup and nothing you're, died. You're, well, it take, usually takes a week. I mean, on, I can't. everybody wants immediate now, don't they? Yeah. Because it usually takes a week to work, and so just just give it chance. But at this time of year, Rod, it can actually almost act like a fertiliser because oh, the, the, the because the sap's rising and so it's not really doing too much good so let the plant if you've got a good plant grow it up a cane or something like that or if you've got ground elder in autumn you could if you can try if it's growing through all the plants that you want try and isolate them with cardboard or newspaper and then spray in august late august september I've got rid of it in one go, one spray, that's and that's the time to do it. Right. So we've talked about weed killer, um, which, and that was a really interesting because I didn't know that with Roundup, you you had to wait until later in the year to get the best out of it. I just assumed if you sprayed it the next day, it'll be dead. No, I mean it did come out as a grass killer, and then we they found uh, that um, it killed ground elder and stuff like that if you left it and sprayed at the right time and that was um august september as a, as a sap starting to go back to the roots but of course you've got to have enough foliage for the plant to take enough in to get right to the roots and kill the roots have we done all the pests the typical pests that we're going to be seeing in the garden this year um, um fruits have we, have we yeah about i mean fruit? the provado is very good for scale insect and things like that which mm. you often get on camellias etc and oh, um, you very often the first thing you find on camellias is black sooty mold mm. which grows on the honeydew that is produced by the scale insect and um, as we know um, i was sitting next to my plum tree uh, yesterday sitting under the plum tree and you could see little spots of honeydew falling and when i looked at the top of the leaves it was all over the top of the leaves i mean it's not it's not doing any really causing any problem it's a balance and with all these ladybird larvae in the garden i'm i'm not, I'm not going to bother too much i know a lot of people have had problems with and every year with cherry aphid and a lot of people um if it's only a small cherry you can actually cut the tips off which they are effect you know they like the new shoots and the new leaves and then they curl the leaves and it does look horrendous because they curl the leaves to make themselves a nice tent in which they can hide in and um and one of the things is is to you can just cut them off and and when you've got mature leaves they don't like mature leaves at all okay 
Uh, right, jobs then. Uh, we are sort of mid-June now, aren't we? So uh, what, what are the sort of typical jobs we can be getting on with? Right, them? well, we can. Um, I know it's going to be warm, but we can so biennials. You yeah. know, even looking forward now to winter. Yeah. And, you know, winter pansies, sweet williams, those sort of things. are so Wallflowers are sown sort of between May and july but if you're sowing winter pansies make sure you keep them relatively cool they'll they'll do well in a cold glass house but a cold glass house is going to get warm um in the latest conditions but if you can keep the sun off them they should germinate pretty well if you get let them get hot then they'd, they'll come and they'll, they'll just burn off we had a question about tomatoes and the um the plants starting to wilt a bit and look you know, during looking, the day yes now this is this the temperature range during the the day yeah, the i mean that's causing yes that? when you think of tomato leaves and you think of cucumber leaves they're very big and when the sun's out and they're in a glass house they are losing water faster than those roots can take it in the evening when the sun goes down the leaves are fine, and they they come back. And this is why you can put green netting over them shade to shade cloths. them, yeah. or very often you shade the glass house with white spray. Um, depends what your glass house is like. It usually washes off well in, in winter when you want that maximum light. But, yes, it's going to affect them, Rod. It really is. Yeah. And that's what it is. Yeah. The leaves are too big to cope with the water they're losing. Yeah. Can I just mention about if you are watering, if you any plants are wilting, make sure you water them first before you feed. Um, you don't really want feed going around roots while they're dry, while the plants dry. You right. can get exosmosis and all that sort of thing where um, actual feed comes out of the plant rather than going in you just make sure that they're nice and wet before you do start feeding yeah that's a a valuable lesson isn't it yes because your your first priority you might think oh that looks a bit that looks a bit uh stressed i think i'll give it some food yeah food no no make sure this make sure they've got plenty of water first and very often when we get um hot weather you know, it can end up in a thunderstorm. I don't know. I know you're in Lincoln, and to me, Lincoln's suffered so much from showers these last few months. Yeah, and I've been sitting there looking, God, that, look at that shower. It's going straight over Lincoln, and then it works <laughs> its way down to the wash, and by the time it gets here, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm oh, no, we, we, Rod's got all that. <laughs> So, um, but a good idea, if we haven't had any rain for a while, is to, again, fork the lawn if you can. Just put a few holes in, and then when the uh, if it does rain, it won't necessarily wash off. It'll go down the holes as well, and you'll be getting roots, uh, water down to those roots. And, again, I've got a couple of tomatoes. I only grow a couple now, but they're just getting small tomatoes on now so i'm supplementing with potash now a lot of people think you only feed tomatoes all the time with potash or tomorite that is not the case that is you you feed with extra tomorite and things like that when you've got those um, little fruits on i still feed 
with a complete food and mine's mine's phosphogen um and i do that and cucumbers if you're growing cucumbers they love nitrogen you've basically got a big bag of water you've got a plant with massive leaves and if you can use organic um nitrogen i must admit cucurbits love organic foods for some reason so i use dried blood right is it too late to lift the narcissus now Oh, no, no, no. Narcissus, have, normally they need six to eight weeks to build that bulb back up and then you can take them out. Even if this, even if the leaves are still green, after six to eight weeks, you can take them, let them die off, and you'll find that the, le- the, the bulbs have gone back to a decent size again. And that's the, the most important. And if you have got doubles, I suggest doubles are always lifted and then replanted August. I think that lifting double bulbs um, makes the stems stronger because very often when double are left in, they tend to break over if you get some rain on them because Mm. of the weight of the rain as well. So, um, yeah, it's better. Get all the narcissists out. Okay, that'll be my job for next week then. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I think um, we've covered a lot of ground there, John. Thank you very we much. We have, haven't we? Ever. Yeah, as ever, you're a, a, a font of knowledge. We'll, My we'll pleasure. find something to talk about at the same time next week. And thanks to our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. Uh, if you want a free quote and advice on any project, somebody actually contacted me in the week because they wanted a bit of advice. Just go to their Facebook group, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. Uh, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. And uh, thank you for listening. If you're listening on a podcast, uh, if you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Tell your gardening friends about us. Check out our Loving Your Garden Facebook group. And thank you to all our new members, over 10,000 members now uh, worldwide and 1,500 um, and uh, sorry, fifteen thousand participants. So you know it's going, it's going well, folks. Thank you very much indeed. Happy gardening. See you next week. All the very best. Bye, folks. Bye.